you can't just have kale chips and smoothies and call it a culture and ergonomic chairs. You have to really give people a chance to perform. You have to give them a chance to fail. You have to give them a chance to grow. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about finding your unexpected path to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an artist. And on today's show, we have Trevor Hubbard. Trevor is the CEO and Executive Creative Director over at Butcher Shop Creative, an amazing award-winning agency here in San Francisco that works with a ton of different clients on everything from branding to creative of all kinds. And on today's show, I talked to Trevor about his path to starting this agency, some of the failed projects that were in his rearview mirror before he got Butcher Shop up and running, the challenges that he's faced running a creative agency, the kind of learning and constant stretching and growing that it takes in order to run an agency for 10 plus years. We talk about his early passions around film and his interests there, his love of sports and extreme sports, which got him into the event production world, which eventually would lead him to start Butcher Shop. And it's a really fun conversation. We did it live at Butcher Shop's offices here in San Francisco. And I'm very excited for you all to hear Trevor's story and hear from someone who is running an agency who started one and is growing one. We also dive into the idea of culture design. Butcher Shop has more and more been hired by companies to help them design internal systems and structures and communication tools to help augment and build and cultivate culture in organizations. So we're going to talk about that as well. And I think it's a really interesting viewpoint on the role of design in organizations. I'm excited for you all to hear the conversation. So let's get started. Trevor, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, great to talk to you. We have talked a lot over the the past year plus. Yes. And uh, it's good to put it on the record, make it official. Yes. Yeah. What, what's what been a project that you guys have been working on recently that has gotten you super, super jazzed? Yeah. From a project, you know, we take, we're a project-based agency. So we get lots of projects, lots of projects, projects, projects. But I'd say right now what we've been focusing on, which is really cool, is is matters of culture. So we've been working with a company uh, out of Germany and Switzerland called Hoff, um, and they are developing a new platform called PeopleOS. And it's a pretty interesting thing about how you can connect a business strategy to a people strategy. It's like the new operating system for high-performing companies. Wow. And one of their clients is Nike. Um, so we've got a team of about 20 people from Butcher Shop all over the, the globe uh, working on that right now to kind of reinvent Nike's employer brand uh, on their new global career site that'll be launching. So I love that. I love the idea of like design around culture. Yeah, it's a it's the hot topic. Everyone's trying to figure out how do we get the best talent and how do we keep them. Yeah, and innovation comes from people, not machines. So you yeah, know, you got to kind of figure out that strategy, and and that's the path to success for most companies. Yeah, and how long have you been at Butcher Shop? How long has this agency been around for? Oh man, the legend goes. Um, that that butcher shop started in 2009 with 800 bucks and an internet connection and that's the, the kind of funny story so i would say that um probably six months prior to that is when i you know had the domain and started the company from a from a couch or a coffee table yeah more civilized and um and then from there you know flash forward you know almost 10 years i can't believe it wow um we're 32 people here in san francisco 
one of the coolest creative agencies a lot of people have never heard of, but that's kind of <laughs> how we like it. So yeah. it's kind of cool. What kind of challenges keep you super invigorated in in being here and growing the business here? Is it more of the leadership kind of internal organization or is it more of like the new projects that you get with clients? I'm always curious about people who are at something for a while, how they kind of reinvent the the wheel to drive creativity as they go. Yeah, that's a that's a super good question. Um well, I think one my family, like they definitely make me want to go and be great and you know, every day I think it's hard. Does that mean like you want to provide for them or you want to keep being a good example for them? What what does that mean exactly? Yeah, if I'm not making stuff or or making myself better or making, you know, my company better or not being inspired, I I don't feel like I'm being, you know, true to myself. And it's really hard to be true to other people when you're not really true to yourself. Um, and so I, I, anyway, that's sort of anecdotal, but I think what, what really keeps me going is the philosophy that I have at butcher shop around five really important things. And that's our people, our process, our product practice and partners. It doesn't, it may sound canned, but honestly, if I write my job description as a CEO or an executive creator director, I would probably write a job description around those five things and talk about what my responsibility is to make sure that we're constantly making those relationships, those things better. Yeah. They all have sort of a, a mini code that I sort of uh, have built around that I'm trying to always optimize and make better. How long did it take you to distill down to all those, those P's <laughs> when you realize there's problems? <laughs> I think all of a sudden you're like, Oh, that's a people problem. I'm going to use that as a P there's, Oh, we have a process problem. Oh, I'm going to fix that. Right? right. 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 So I think like for, for me, you know, if, if, if I'm not making those better people is first hundred percent, you know, if we're not making the people that we work with, from the clients that we bring in, not the projects, but the clients that we want to work with. If we're not focusing on that relationship and how it can be better and know that it's a 50-50 trade, they're giving us their money and we are giving them our time and expertise, it needs to be balanced. And with people that we hire, you can't just have kale chips and smoothies and call it a culture and ergonomic chairs. You have to really give people a chance to perform. You have to give them a chance to fail you have to give them a chance to grow um and so i think butcher shops just this endless opportunity uh and that's what we've kind of maintained where if somebody wants to do something we probably say fuck it let's do it you know (laughs) so that's i think what makes us pretty cool but people is the is the big thing that i think keeps me fired up that's great and way back when you started the the company with 800 bucks and an internet connection what inside of you said, hey, I don't want to go join an agency. I don't want to, you know, go, you know, be a design leader or creative director in a company. I want to go out and start my own agency. And branding and things like that, it's a can be a pretty competitive, kind of crowded, some might say, space. So what was in your mind at that point when you said, no, I want to put my make my mark in this area and define a service offering that's uniquely our own? God, um, that's, that's such a good question. And there's so many ways to answer it. I think, you know, fear is a, is something that comes to mind first. Um, I, I, you know, starting butcher shop, uh, you know, I have two partners, um, that were, you know, part of the early beginnings of, of butcher shop and, 
in helping get this thing started. And, and I think one of the, one of the cool things about that time is that we were kind of coming together out of frustration, you know, but then we saw opportunity, but we didn't really have a goal. Like there was no leader. There was no, what do we need to accomplish? It was more of like, how can we all just make stuff together? And how that became a business um, was because, you know, I, I think I kind of declared myself as the business person, you know, and, and, and still making stuff, but it was very sort of intrinsic. And when I say tied to fear, it's because I feel like I was unemployable. I, I never really, really had a job. I never really knew how to build a resume. I never, I never really, um, like I had, I think I had one design job and I got fired three days later. And it was because I, designed a really shitty um, ad for a pet grooming service. And instead of four fingers, it, the dog had the dog paw had five and it was like, you know, I just, it was just stupid shit like that where I right. then got afraid of like what I was doing. Yeah. Even though I had been making stuff. Um, right. And I just knew that there was probably a lot of people that wanted to see how I would approach things fearlessly and just say that no matter what, let's, let's just get it done. Let's figure it out. And I think that that has never left. Um, that's always been there. Yeah. And this was just like, let's create something else. Let's be our own bosses. Let's figure this out. Was there a part of you that was also fearful around, yeah, starting a business, being independent, having all the weight on your own shoulders and, and also the, the imposter syndrome feeling, how how did all that stuff play in? I think I still have the imposter syndrome. It's never leaves. I mean, that's, it's almost like you're kind of like, that's chasing you all the time you know it's like the boogeyman right and you just try to run faster and then it catches up to you and i feel like that's where when you're really creative and you're trying to build a company that's your boogeyman right and that's also for type a weirdos like that's the thing that you're never really facing mirror to mirror but when you do that's when brilliant things start to happen it's because you sort you sort of sort of get rid of 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 that angst and that feeling but i think for for the early days of, of butcher shop, what was really cool um, was that we faked it until we sort of made it. And then we just kept making it and making it and making it. And we never really had, uh, you know, we all sort of, when I say we all, the, the three partners, we, we all sort of like had a different skill set, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what kept it really interesting, I think, in, you know, a long time ago was that we, we didn't even know where a paycheck was coming from. We, we, that was what was great. We were, yeah. we were the first hackers. We were the first, <laughs> we didn't know any other agency like us. We didn't know anybody that was, you know, incrementally trying to make things work. We even had like second jobs, you know, for the first part of it. You did. You know, well, we were, we didn't, we didn't know. <laughs> um, I remember our first couple offices, you know, were, were, were like robbed because they were in the shittiest parts of San Francisco, you know, but at the same time, we just, we didn't know any better. We didn't have bad habits of old agencies. We didn't right. come together with this hardened thing. We didn't take a dime of investment. So everything right. we did was really up to us. Hi everyone. I want to tell you a little bit about our sponsor general assembly. They're an amazing organization with a campus here in San Francisco and they have campuses actually all across the globe and the country and they offer courses in UX design, data science if you want to become a developer or learn how to code. 
They've got classes and workshops and boot camps and courses where you can take when you're in a job on nights and weekends or when you're between jobs and you really want to shift your skill set towards the next career that's going to have you doing something that you'll love. So I'm excited that we've got a special code to use at checkout for 15% off any class or workshop. And that's Making Ways. Just type in Making Ways at checkout and you'll get 15% off. So visit General Assembly's website. It's just General Assembly in the browser and then put a dot before the L-Y and you'll go right there. Let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the show. And so rewinding a little bit, when I know you studied film undergrad Mm -hmm. and then you eventually went on to get a formal design education. When did you decide to go and, and kind of get an education around design? Uh, I still don't feel like I have an adequate education in design, truthfully. Um, you know, I, I, never, I never actually graduated from, from academy art, which was awesome because I immediately, when I realized what they were teaching, asked if I could be a teacher. And so I became teaching before I actually graduated, which is kind of really, like, yeah, which is a super funny story. You raised your hand and said, can well, I, I, teach? I stopped going to school and okay. then I came back and I was like, Hey, um, I could teach this class, you know, and, and that's what I did. And, and I was obviously working, you know, in, in, a, in the action sports industry and building another agency at the time. And so I had, I had some, some things that I could lean on that were really, you know, cool and to teach innovation and advertising and big idea thinking and advanced graphic design was just sort of a, a natural thing, but film studies, like it was, I had such a weird education. I went to a private school, got a scholarship playing basketball at university of San Francisco, but I was like this jock that spent all his time in the art studio. Right. And it was like <laughs> this weird sort of thing. So I went to uh, USF played basketball. Didn't, didn't really think I wanted to be, in the, the, the division one basketball world anymore, even though it was, it was fun. Yeah. Um, I ended up going to university of Colorado and Boulder, um, mostly because I had a friend out there named Mitch who was like my best friend from childhood. And he, uh, he invited me out to, for like a a week and I loved it so much because we partied so hard. He had so much fun (laughs) that, uh, I knew that that's the place I wanted to be. So I got there went into the film school program cause film was important to me. Um, and I became a documentary filmmaker. Uh, one of the projects we had, which was my sort of claim to, you know, feeling like I could tell a good story was, um, our senior project where I had to make a documentary about something that mattered to me or something that I wanted to get off my chest. One of the films, um, that sort of had the most impact on me was the one that I made about my dad called pops. Um, it was a, comment on me and a ditty on my father. And that's kind of what the the tagline of the movie was, but it was a, it was a 22 minute documentary that I still have. I actually watched it not too long ago. Um, but it was about me going against the grain and not wanting to play basketball anymore and wanting to go to film school and thinking that I was so different from my dad, but then ultimately arriving at the conclusion that I was kind of just like him. And so, you know, I think we can all relate to those stories, but when I did that, and I got the reaction and I won the award and I went to the student section at Sundance and, wow. and, it, it, and it was like a personal story. I was like, wow, personal stories fucking matter. <laughs> like that's that authenticity. How do you, how do you be vulnerable? Right. And so that translated into, you know, just matters of design. And once you know, final cut and other things, you're kind of designing things and title mm-hmm. cards. And then you start parlaying that into matters of like systems and 
and what your friends need and all your other friends are starting businesses and they need identities. And you're like, I can do that. Can I? I don't know. You know? And so <laughs> when did this extreme sports agency happen and come into play? I mean, I can understand you love sports. You were into sports. You played sports. You started, we're starting to move into design and experience and all these things. Is that, is that a business that you started? Okay. So, hmm. Interesting. Big story there. Um, mountains. Skiing, skiing a lot, Colorado, San Francisco, Johnny Mosley, Fillmore Street, 2005. That's when it all started. So backing up, Icer Air was an event that uh, I, had, I had met um, this guy's wife or fiance at the time in Hawaii. And uh, I was really into skiing at the time because I was in Colorado and I'd always been a skier, big skier, like skiing to me, I tell everybody here, skiing's my life. Like, what would I, why do I do all the things that I do here? It's because I want to ski and be with my family. That's, that's why I, I do everything. So, uh, back in Colorado, skiing was everything. And, um, I had met this, this, this lady, um, who said her husband has a spray on ski wax. And I was like, sounds really, really interesting and cool. And they were coming to a trade show in Colorado. We didn't get to meet up, but one night in San Francisco, we met, we, I like saw them out mm-hmm. and about, and I got to talking with uh, this gentleman named Glenn Griffin, and he's uh, like, "Well, what could we do with this this the ski wax? Like, this is what I you know I think this has a a very big viability in the product market of like waxing and ski." I was like, "Okay, that sounds cool." And somehow I have no idea, but the legend again goes that everyone was at the Balboa cafe and Johnny Mosley was there and yeah. another guy named Arnie was there and Glenn and, and apparently it was like, look up Fillmore street. And we're like, let's, let's, let's put down snow on Fillmore street and, <laughs> and make a ski jump. Right. And at the time I was, it was nothing. It was just all of us coming together. And I think I had like a title of director of marketing and we had zero money. We didn't know what we were doing somehow after fighting the city and everything that went down, uh, to get that event pulled off, and Johnny Mosley is the spokesperson, and 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 us trying to make it happen, we pulled off the impossible, and we skied Fillmore Street wow. with two hundred tons of snow, and uh, and about twenty you know professional skiers and snowboarders, and had <laughs> like the most singular day. It was one of the most iconic days in San Francisco history. Wow. Um, and you know, and after that, with our you know entrepreneurial sort of ideas and spirit, like we tried to build this action sports event where it went to these urban cities and, and, and we went to AT&T park cause it was a natural thing. Um, did that for a couple of years and, and it turned into quite a big event. Um, and then in 08 economy crashed, right? Lost millions and millions of dollars in sponsorship. Couldn't pay vendors, couldn't pay athletes, got some, you know, bad press out of that. It was not fun. And out of that, um, you know, at the time we had another little agency that was really servicing companies in action sports and trying to like, you know, be a design firm or like a marketing firm for them and predominantly servicing ICER Air and those other things, but it was called Griffix Thunkett. God, I haven't said that in like like 10 years. I haven't said that word in so long. Griffix Thunkett. <laughs> um, yeah, and obviously it went away, but at the time it was a it was it was a support, you know, business. Right. Um and uh and so that went away. ICER Air went away. Um didn't know what we were gonna do. Um tried to figure out company dissolved like everyone was sort of like trying to put the pieces back together yeah and out of that frustration out of not knowing what to do i was sort of battle ready i had gone through so much in those three or four years um 
you know, you have to learn how to fight the city. You have to learn politics. You have to learn how to fundraise. You have to convince people to, to give you a ton of money. You have to, you know, negotiate contracts. You have to, uh, design and market an event. You have to make it believable. You have to design an experience and a competition and research the world and figure out how nitrogen works. You, all this (laughs) shit you have to figure out. And, um, you know, with a team of like four people, five people. Right. And, um, and when that went away, I had like a sabbatical where I just kind of was like freelancing, doing my own thing. And yeah. I, and I went back to teach and that was around the time. Cause I was also in school at the time. So I went in to teach. And then from there, I basically ran the classroom, like a mini business, mini company where, you know, we would get a real client and we'd pitch things and we would have fun creating stuff and mm-hmm. nothing ever got produced or sold, but we would, we would actually have clients come in you know, to, 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 to hear, um, what these, these teams had worked on. Yeah. And from there, um, while I was still teaching, I, uh, started butcher shop. Originally it was called Trevor Hubbard's butcher shop, um, <laughs> or thbsf.com was the URL. Yeah. And then, um, through going through that, um, uh, ran into, uh, Misha and Sasha and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And Misha was like, I want to do that. And Sasha was like, I want to do it, but I can't do it right now. Yeah. And so we sort of forged this partnership and and started butcher shop was there ever a time in butcher shops you know past decade where there were dips in business or in the economy and you know as you were hiring up you maybe faced some kind of drought and needed to figure out ways to shift directions or or change were there any kind of kind of crisis points over this this journey of building this company yeah i well (sighs) There's always there's always moments where you have to evolve, right? And I think that that's that's okay. Has there ever been a detriment where we're like, oh my god, this isn't working? No. Yeah. Um, we've we've always we've we've just got better, right? Um, we've grown at the right times. We've we've been thoughtful about how we do that as an agency. Anybody you know listening to this, you know that there's cash flow dips, you know, but you can fix those. You know, you know that January is going to be a big issue because, <laughs> you know, that's just the way it is. So yeah. you need to kind of like gear your orient solutions around like what Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4 look like. Right. Um, so just there's stuff like that. But, you know, to me, I think having an eye, if, if you're coming at everything with like a financial sort of point of view, you you sort of stop taking those healthy risks that are the big winners, right? And 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 so you're constantly torn between like the quantitative side mm-hmm. of your brain and the qualitative side of your brain. And sometimes, you know, the sweet spot is trying to like make sure those align, right? And right. that and that's when you know you're you're sort of in stride and doing doing the right things. Yeah. But it's like, you know, butcher shop starting as an agency, we were thrilled to get a nine thousand dollar website project, right, right? right? Like and most of the things we were doing were like bars and restaurants because all our friends were like you know, spending other people's money on creating these like nightlife spots and stuff, right. You know, and having all these parties and it was brutal. Like I look back on some of that shit and I'm like, Oh my God, that's what we used to do. Right. And now like over the years, like what you do is you focus on like pipeline and you focus on like, okay, how can we turn this client into, um, something more for us? Um, and so it has to come from a place of building trust and creating value. If you're not doing that, it doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. So if that's what you're focused on, then everything sort of starts to work itself out. Um, butcher shop gets its business from like four different places. Most of the time it's a referral. 
Um, so your reputation is everything. Referral yeah. is everything. Um, the other side is that we have repeat customers, right? So that's a big one. Um, the third one, you know, which is not a very quality driven sort of lead generation tool and we don't get much out of that is just the blind inquiries. Um, that's an awful lot of time vetting, um, you know, to get to the thing of whether or not we like the people we would work with and if it's a viable project to work on. Right. And, uh, the fourth is our partner network. It's not really referrals because it's more of like we have these people out there that are searching for projects for us because yeah. that's part of the model, right? Yeah. So those four things contribute. And, and if, you, if you focus on those, then you're not really focusing on like the, 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 the transaction. You're focusing on cultivating the relationships. Yeah. And yeah. That's, that's, really, that's probably the most important thing that I've ever learned you know, in my time you know, running butcher shop. Yeah. And what about advice that you might give to designers or creative people who are thinking through, do I want to go in house at a company? Yeah. Do I want to be freelance? Do I want to maybe work in an agency? What have you learned about interacting with all different kinds of creative people about how, how somebody can find like the right fit for them? That's hard. Um, I, you know, I, I give this talk called, you know, how the fuck do you price creativity? Right. <laughs> and, and I think a lot of people need to narrow that lens of, of like, you're not doing this to be an artist. You're doing this to be, you know, a business person, right. That has a penchant for making things really beautiful or solving problems or creating, you know, uh, great solutions to things. Right. And if you do that, you still got to treat this like a business. And some people just like when you go, um, you know, think about those security questions on your Netflix account, right. What's your favorite car? You know, what's your, What's your favorite type of music? What's your favorite, um, you know, uh, outdoor activity? When you make those 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 selections, those very much apply to who you are as a person and your values. And I truly believe that um, creative agency, entrepreneur, doing something on your own, uh, working as a freelancer, uh, working in house, those are all basically the security questions. <laughs> like you know, your Netflix account or whatever. Um, not to dumb that down, but I think like people need to look at themselves of like, what environment do they like? You know, that's great. Trevor, thanks so much for joining the show and for the conversation. I really love chatting with you. Yeah, man. Thank you. It's good to see you again too. That was my conversation with Trevor Hubbard, the CEO and executive creative director at butcher shop creative. Trevor, thank you so much for joining the show. It's great getting to know you over these past few years. And it was super fun to learn more about your path to starting Butcher Shop and what it's like to run an agency of that size and scale and all of the clients and amazing work you all are creating there. And thanks for having me at the offices to record this episode. That was so fun. You can learn more about Butcher Shop at butchershop.co. And of course, go to makingwayspodcast.com. You can check out show notes and links and articles and my original illustrations of our guests for the show, including my illustration of Trevor for this episode. Sign up for our newsletter there. We've been sending out really fun updates with episodes and backstories, and you'll hear about live events and workshops and so much more first if you sign up for our newsletter there. And we promise not to spam your inboxes. It's all, it's all good stuff. If you haven't had the chance to write a review on Apple Podcasts, please do that. It's a really powerful way for more people to discover the show. It also helps with Apple. They're going to look at the reviews and listens and all that, and they're going to think about that as they decide which episodes and which shows to feature on Apple Podcasts. 
on the storefront page. So please leave a review on iTunes and we greatly appreciate it. Making Way's intro music is by The Sandworms and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for being part of this community and for your feedback on social media and your emails and your interest. I'm so glad that I started this and I'm so grateful for all the people who come onto the show and listeners out there. And it means a lot to me to hear from you all about what is resonating with you and helping you get through uh, hard creative times, helping you push forward and be inspired to make new things and figure out what's next in your step forward in your creative path. So keep listening, keep sharing and keep sending me feedback and ideas. I want to keep improving the show for you and for all listeners out there. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.